I, I was talking to some people and they're probably like a couple years younger than us, five years maybe. And they didn't know Netflix sent DVDs in the mail. They just thought they they just came on the scene. They thought it was always straight the, and they didn't know what a VHS was. What are these uh, two thousand babies uh, acting up again? (laughs) Yeah, the worst part is like when you finished like a a video or a movie, you had to rewind it all the way back and you had to wait. (laughs) Yeah, terrible user experience. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Without a Roadmap. It's the podcast for tech folks who get the job done, but are still figuring it out. My name's Jonas, joined by my co-host, Cam here. How you doing, Cam? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Got my second COVID shot yesterday, so kind of feeling under the weather, but I knew all our listeners out there couldn't go another week without hearing our voice, and so here we are. <laughs> they need some content. <laughs> To, to kind of look out for Cam's health. We're going to keep it, uh, you know, short and sweet today, but wanted to talk about something that um, we've been looking at a lot more as our, our company has matured and, uh, you know, as a you know product folks that, you know, we've kind of been trying to better understand kind of, you know, where the various customers are in their journey with our company uh, so that we can, you know, make sense of it and, and try and improve. And, you know, when going about, doing that or looking at ways to to kind of visualize that um, what we came across is a great way to do that uh, is by tracking customer life cycle stages um, so the customer life cycle stages uh, you know vary in definition from company to company it actually started off uh, as as a tool used by marketing and sales teams you probably you might have heard of um, life cycle marketing, so better understanding kind of you know the the mentality of you uh, consumers and you know the earlier stages of the sales process. Um, but we're really just going to focus on uh, the life cycle stages um, kind of after uh, a user becomes or after somebody becomes a customer. So Cam, do you want to um, give a quick definition of you know your understanding of of life cycle stages, the customer life cycle stages? For sure. The way I think about it is is really um, tracking the customer's relationship with your business um, and your, into your company, right? So everyone knows the the main, the most important thing a customer does when they first become a customer is onboard. So that's an example of one of the lifecycle stages. And depending on how mature your, your company, your product is, or your organization is, you may have um, a lot of different stages, or you could just have a, a short few if you're an early stage startup that is still figuring out the process of how they want to map um, their life cycle stages according to, to their business. And so um, we wanted to just go over real quick three of the ones um, we think through um, as product people at Parlor and kind of give our take of how we use life cycle stages to understand more about our customers and understand and get more context about the feedback um, they're providing to us. Because it always helps us to understand more about what the real pain is or what instead of always just jumping to the solution. So if we can use a stage like onboarding or adoption as another kind of input into the feedback one of our users or customers is providing, it helps us more thoughtfully think through a solution to address our customer's pain point and obviously hopefully providing more value to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So starting with, uh, you know, the most common one, uh, again, this is after somebody's become a customer. So something like, um, you know, in the earlier stages of a 
customer lifecycle marketing wouldn't be included. But uh, onboarding is something that you know happens for just about every customer, regardless if it's a low touch, high touch, um, and it's defined um, you know more generally by you know the period at which training happens and usually ends around the time that a customer has received some sort of value with your company or product. And, um, you know, like time diverse value is kind of that leading metric that people like to talk about, or, you know, the aha moment, um, in some cases might be when you consider a customer onboarded. Um, but there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. Mm -hmm. And some folks, uh, some arguments are out there that onboarding is never complete. Um, and so just, just keeping that in mind, but I do think onboarding obviously is one of the most important things because there's all this excitement once from both sides, right? Once the customer signs the contract and they get access to your product. And also from your side, when you have a new person that's going to be using your product for the first time, it's both exciting and kind of nerve wracking, right? Cause they can uncover things that you never thought of or any number of things can go wrong. I think for us, as we were starting to branch out into a new market, a new kind of target persona that really focused on seeing our customers, our users first reaction to parlor is, um, we're learning a lot from it just uh, just as we're learning what's most important for them to get going and what we kind of need to optimize for to make their first um, week, two weeks, month using Parler as best as it can. Because if, if they're having a lot of bugs or implementation is taking too long, you can lose that momentum. And that's going to make it harder for adoption of your product across the board later on. Mm hmm. Yeah, so success during the onboarding period is oftentimes uh, like closely tied to you know, your customer's overall success with your company. Um, so if you're noticing that they're running into snags during this period, uh, oftentimes it's a good indication that you know it, you're going to have. A trouble down the road. So it's really important that you iron that process out. And uh, for, as a, from a product perspective, like kind of watching customers as they go through the onboarding process is super important. You can learn a lot of things um, from the feedback that's collected there, but also by the amount of time required to, to kind of complete that process, whether it's just an onboarding flow that they have to go through and kind of complete some steps if you have a pretty kind of self-service product, um, or if it's, you know, the long implementation process that they have to go through for something that's more high touch. Um, so it's really important to, to kind of like audit the amount of time that a customer spent during that period. Um, because, um, you know, in some cases it might be long because it has to be long because you have, uh, you know, really right. complex products. Um, but making sure that, um, the, you know, you're, you're kind of setting expectations right and that you're minimizing the amount of effort required as much as possible. And then that there's kind of, you know, uh, his customer success counterparts who are closely working with the product team to make sure that, you know, the feedback is, is making its way back to the team around how it can be potentially improved from a product perspective. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think one of the other things is to think about is like when you're, you're building the product or your product person, you think like, you know, the ins and outs of the product and how everything should work. But when somebody first uses the product for the first time, they can miss a lot of the things that you think are very obvious. Right. So for us, um, an example could be the different types of feedback. We always try to emphasize you can change the type of feedback or you can add additional types. Um, but sometimes that can be lost because of a UX experience behind a menu that a user would never actually click on and see that they can not only change the type of feedback, but also give a feedback a certain status. And so I think it's um, always seeing the first time a person's using your, your product, which is why like full story is, and all the other session recording tools are 
always fun to, to watch and also nerve wracking to watch is that, you know, what a person should be doing within your product, but it's their first time. They don't know it as well as you do. And so seeing them kind of struggle, um, gives you good insights of how you can improve, um, the product there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the main takeaway is that, you know, onboarding is usually the first experience your customer is having, you know, with the product hands on, uh, you know, it's really important to make sure that's as smooth as possible. Uh, but really just kind of keeping in, you know, that context of where that customer is and, and using that to, to kind of help you, um, you know, compartmentalize the feedback that they're giving you is really important. Um, so really nice to, to kind of categorize users as, you know, folks who are in onboarding and, and kind of tracking that closely and making sure that you're doing everything that you can to reduce the time to value. Exactly, exactly. Because if you reduce the time to value, you can go into one of the next stages we use at Parler, which is the adoption stage, right? So a uh, customer, all the users within, a, within an account are now fully trained and they're now starting to use the product in their day-to-day workflows or however they, um, the engagement is with, with your product. And I think there is super interesting to kind of take away like where users are getting stuck or where users aren't really fully utilizing your product to get the value they should be. And so that could be another thing of either you need to do more education around how to use your product, the value the product receives if you do things a certain way, or maybe it could just be that they stopped using your product because there's a um, game breaking bug that's prohibiting them from using a certain area of the product that they really need to work. And it's just more insights that you can kind of um, use to improve your product, especially if um, the same folks that are in adoption or a different stage are having the same issues. You can see that it's being felt across multiple different of your customers. Um, so those are that more mature in your product that have been using it for years versus the people that are just using your product for the first time in the first two months. Like if they're having the same type of problems or feedback, that's a really good indicator that you should probably address that because it's being felt across all your customers and not the folks that are just starting to use your product. Yeah, yeah. And the the great thing about kind of recognizing that, you know, these are kind of steady state customers who have, you know, reached this stage, but haven't necessarily moved on to the next that we're going to talk about um, is, you know, it's the opportunity to learn more about why people are struggling or when people are, you know, doing a good job adopting your product. So, you know, when people are struggling, great opportunity for you to do something like a a CES customer effort score survey, um, which asks, you know, how difficult was it for you to do X, Y, Z in the product and ideally, you know, trigger based on some sort of, you know, uh, you know, in product uh, event. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, uh, if you notice that somebody is like really adopting one specific part of the, you know, f- functionality or one area of the product, um, maybe that tells the product team that there's, uh, you know, a lot of value here and that this is something that uh, your team should prioritize kind of continuing to build on, um, you know, assuming that this is something that you're seeing some sort of trends around. So uh, it's really good to, to kind of recognize, you know, who's in this stage, whether or not they've been stuck in there too long. So you can try and, you know, see what you can learn from that. Um, or if there's areas of the product that are, you know, receiving, you know, great adoption and product engagement metrics, then um, kind of taking that to, um, you know, continue on that, that success and, and build on that area of the product. Right, right. That kind of leads next into the, the third stage we want to talk about today, which is the value received. So this can be quickly defined as your customers at a point where, 
Um, they've actually received the value. Now your product is meeting the expectations of when they first uh, bought your product. So they're getting to the outcomes they wanted to. Um, and that's why they, they became customers. And I think um, looking at all the customers, all the users within this stage value received is super interesting because you can um, be proactive and ask them how they got there or look through their, their past journey of how they got to this stage. So you can either further optimize this area of your product, that loop, or if, um, if there's a lot of customers that aren't in the stage, you can try to see where things are what were went the same or where things were a little different between different stages, right? So if you have um, a customer called ABC and their value received and they're kind of the same similar customer type as a different customer like XYZ, you would, you would imagine that they would have the same type of experience going through your product because they're in the same customer segment. But if they're not and they're stuck in onboarding adoption, you can look to see what went differently with both customers, right? Yeah. And, you know, just being able to, you know, also take a step back and think, um, okay, now this customer is, you know, received the initial value or the received the value that they expected from your company. Um, where do they stand? Uh, this might not be specific to the product team or up to them, um, you know, in terms of surveying customers to understand their satisfaction, maybe your support or, you know, your success team would do that. Um, but I think it's a great thing for the product team to be aware of. It's like for if customers have received the value that they've expected from your company, like, are they still happy? Like, is your product doing, um, you know, not only like what it, you know, is intended to do, but is it delighting customers to the point where, um, you know, you think you're going to have opportunities to upsell them or, you know, draw drive renewals. Um, you know, these might not be outcomes that your product team is responsible for. Um, but I think they are indicators of the product's um, success and is something that uh, we should all be aware of. Exactly. Yeah. I think once they get to a certain stage, it's also a good time to see how critical your product is to your customer's business, right? Because if you're very critical and they kind of require to use you to do their job, fulfill their job responsibilities, it's probably a good indicator that they're going to stick around for the long term. Or if they if they don't view your your product or software as, as super critical to their day-to-day jobs or um, to their company achieving their outcomes, then there's some feedback there you got to take into account and see what you can do to become so critical that they couldn't imagine life without without your product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about Craigslist, you know, like, <laughs> like Craigslist got way too complacent with their, with their selling, uh, you know, platform. Then Facebook marketplace came around. It's much smoother. It is. I don't know. I, I know who's who I'm picking up from. It's not, you know, <laughs> user ID 5,000, uh, you know, so you just, you gotta, just because people are, you know, content with the product you're producing, doesn't always mean that um, there aren't, they aren't looking for a better alternative. So uh, great opportunity. To- yeah. That is the, the world of SaaS subscription stuff. Anybody can leave at any point and you just got to make sure you're so valuable to um, your customers or users that they, they won't, they won't just ghost you. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes being ghosted. So yeah. high level takeaways, uh, you know, really important to kind of keep in, keep in mind where your customers are um, with their journey and, you know, with your company. Um, great way to do that is by establishing life cycle stages, something that you should kind of set up with your team, kind of identify what the um, different kind of boundaries are for each of these stages. Um, and, you know, Cam, you could tell us a little bit about kind of why they're important. 
Um, I think they're important um, as, a, as a product person from that lens is just understanding um, how long they've been a customer and that adds more value into the feedback they're receiving, right? So we mentioned earlier, if folks across a number of different life cycle stages are experiencing the same thing and giving you the same feedback, you can make the assumption that this is a this is this is not a education problem of people not knowing how to use your product, but it's more so just a general understanding that this area of your product needs to be um, improved upon for everybody, not just the folks that are just using your product for the first time or folks that are that have been customers for for a year or two that know how your product works in the ins and out. So I think it's just another layer of context outside of the the, the standard segments of power users or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, I think we could wrap up this week's episode. Uh, I'd like to shout out Cameron for being a trooper. Uh, one day post dose two still out here making that content um so if uh not for anybody else please like share and subscribe for our boy cameron curry (laughs) 